Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? I'm doing well, Sean. How are you doing? Doing well, that Derek. Uh, Kentucky, I know we recorded going into the A&M game. Haven't recorded the, the last few days. A lot of things have happened. Uh, obviously, we're, we're going to get to the Shade and Sharp stuff. Kentucky's loss at Auburn, but uh, no lack of content. And then we're going to do a mailbag episode on Tuesday leading up to Kentucky's game versus Mississippi State, which will be a 9 p.m. tip. So you'll have plenty of time to catch that episode tomorrow. But today we're just going to kind of recap and discuss all the news that has happened over the last three or four days. Yeah, uh, a lot of things, <laughs> like you said. I mean, you have uh, a lot of storylines just in the Auburn game alone, aside from the loss, a couple injuries again for Kentucky. Um and then it kind of all goes back to a couple of days before the Auburn game with the ESPN report that uh, Shaden Sharp is actually eligible for the draft. Now, they've kind of gone back and forth on this since it became known that Shaden was going to enroll early. But it sounds like uh, he, he is officially able to go to the draft. So we haven't really discussed how, if at all, if it changes our opinions on this whole situation. We'll get into that. But, Sean, let's just start back on Saturday Great atmosphere. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can just give a lot of credit to Auburn. Uh, I'd gone on a podcast with uh, our Auburn 24-7 site, and, and I praised Auburn because Kentucky played at Texas A&M, the largest crowd they've ever had in that venue, a big game. I, I don't know if Texas A&M's even played a home game since then, but I can guarantee the next time they play a home game, it will not be the same kind of atmosphere that it was for Kentucky. Now, with Auburn, there's been a big old fuss on Twitter – uh, about if the atmosphere was the way it was because Kentucky was there or if it's just because that's how it always is at Auburn. Like all things, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but you have to give credit for that home atmosphere that Auburn's created because it will be like that the next game. The fans will be there. The students will be there. And it is a small arena. It's not very hard to fill. But, Sean, a lot of things happened, but the end result was Auburn 80, Kentucky 71. Whenever you watched that game on Saturday, what was your initial takeaway? Kentucky's right there with the the elite teams that you think in college basketball and honestly it's another one of those games like you know LSU where it's it's how wild is it that it almost played out the same way I mean obviously Tata has an ankle injury and it's not cramps and then Sabir uh, just about gives him gives himself whiplash again on a uh, ball screen uh, that Oscar was the one involved with uh, not calling it out and I mean but overall, like, just I think it confirmed to me that this team is really, really good when they're healthy. I mean, they were right there. They they could have folded Derek down the stretch when when things were going against them. Sabir goes out. They're they're missing him for a few minutes. It was a close game when he went out. And then Kentucky kept they kept trying to give themselves a chance to win, but it just they didn't have enough to stop Auburn in that environment. But I just feel like it solidified that I feel like when this team is at full strength, they can win the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I read a couple of the game stories from the Auburn side, and I guess uh, I don't I don't know what the quote is. I guess it's about it's about war. I don't want to equate war to basketball games. It's something about you know the victors kind of write history, right? And a couple of the stories that I read had nothing. They didn't even mention Tata's injury um, on the Auburn side. I don't know how you write that the story of Kentucky Auburn without mentioning that because that that's a huge and 
you can say the right things. Kentucky did talking about injuries, things like that, saying, you know, they had their chances, which is true. They did. But not having Ty Ty Washington, he's arguably Kentucky's best player. Oscar Sheba is up there, but Ty Ty, in terms of, I mean, he's the best guard on this roster. No, no questions. And Kentucky's up 25 16 when he gets hurt on that bucket. And you can't say for sure Kentucky would have won, and you can't say for sure, you know, if you're on Auburn side, you can't say the game would have played out the same way. And that's what really sucks about that game is because there's not a return trip either to Rupp Arena. So if they are to play again, it will have to be in Tampa, uh, most likely, or I guess potentially could be like 2019 where you see them again in the tournament if you get matched up in the same bracket or, or advance deep enough to see those guys again. So the injury was a big deal, uh, but it wasn't the only thing. And you look at what Auburn did offensively. They had no answer, Kentucky did, for Walker Kessler. Uh, I don't know if it was miscommunication on how they defending the, the screen and rolls or what, but Kessler just – I think he had seven dunks is what I read. Yeah. That's just too many. I mean, he went eight for ten from the floor, seven rebounds. Um, you know, Oscar still finished with 16 points, but I thought that Kessler's length gave him a lot of trouble around the rim. And Auburn gets to the free throw line a lot. Now, do I think Auburn gets a good home whistle? Yes, but I don't think that's that unique – to a lot of road games. I mean, that, that's just kind of how it is when you go on the road in college basketball. You know you're going to get some tough calls to go against you. You could go – well, I mean, I can think of three right off the top of my head that, you know, Auburn probably fouled Kentucky. They didn't get the call. But that number is also high, though, Sean, because they fouled a three-point shooter three times. You gave yeah. them nine free throws right there, plus you're fouling at the end of the game. So those free throws kind of added up. You lost um, by nine. Yeah. So, right. I mean, he, plus 16 for Auburn from the free throw line. But – uh the defense overall, though, just wasn't good enough. Auburn shot 57%. They didn't shoot lights up from three, only six of 16. But, you know, when they needed a bucket, Auburn found a way. KD Johnson had a good game, 17 points. And then you talked about having your chances. Even all that that had happened, Kellen Grady hits a three in the corner to cut it to four. Sean, you get a missed shot on the next yeah. possession, but can't come down with the rebound. Javari Smith ends up hitting a shot over two defenders, and that was pretty much the game from there so i'm with you though going back to those first seven eight minutes man they look great right i mean well got a 13-0 lead or 13-0 run yeah and it's 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 unfortunate right because it's another one of those games that you you can take something from it and honestly I, i don't know if you can take anything from it negatively i think you have to take positives away from it because it's still an unknown uh in that environment we didn't get to see what they look like with their their two guards slash point guard like when Sabir goes out, Ty Ty Washington steps in and runs the one, and Kentucky would have been fine. We've seen them in that environment, in those in games, and without Sabir, run some of the most efficient offense that they've had all season outside of the Tennessee game. So they, I think they would have been okay. It's just you just can't lose Ty Ty. As this thing goes on, Oscar's so vital to them because of the front court depth and, and lack thereof there, but, but Ty Ty is their dude. Like, that's the guy that I think they're going to play through a ton late in games, and and they lost a significant weapon when he went down, not using injuries as an excuse. But I said a few weeks ago I'm throwing the LSU game out because when they have those those injuries like that, you can't really give an accurate assessment of what was going on, and then they were playing well when Ty Ty got hurt. And I, that certainly played a role in why they lost the game, along with the other issues that they had defensively it's just uh it's it's unfortunate that they've that two of their biggest games away from rep arena they've not been able to have to be at full full strength even though they started those games at full strength so i hope this is a matchup that you see 
in the SEC tournament and because those two teams, they're two of the better teams in college basketball. I mean, Auburn's number one in the poll now. I know they're not number one in the coaches' poll, but they are in the AP. Kentucky did not move in the AP, which kind of shows you some of that respect for Auburn, and I think they took into account that Ty Ty was out. Kentucky did play and compete. That's, that's why I don't think you could really have an accurate assessment of, of how good this team is. Or That, that team, they had, they had a chance to win that game if Ty Ty's healthy, in my opinion. Oh, no question. Oh, absolutely. They would have had a chance. A um, couple other notes. I think for the first time this season, correct me if I'm wrong, a Kentucky player played all 40 minutes. Kellen Grady did not sub out um, in this game. And, of course, you know, he was – he played a good game. Four for seven from three, five and nine. He had a good bounce back game after struggling over at Texas A&M. Wheeler, I mean, he, he only missed four minutes after – all that had happened, that, that number is a little higher than what maybe what it felt like during the game. Um, and it was a key stretch, though, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Yeah, the, the second out. half. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's hard to overcome. One other thing, outside of a sweet dunk <laughs> that Jacob Toppin threw down three sixty in a game. And by the way, today, if you guys haven't heard it, he met with the media very nonchalant about his three sixty dunk, basically saying that a three sixty dunk for him. It's just the same as a regular person dunking it one-handed. So just flex like right it. there. But it did look like it. I mean, no hesitation. And he also has a pretty cool note. He said his first ever college points at Rhode Island was the same deal, 360 dunk. So how about that for your first college points? But the larger point, Sean, I thought this was the first time this year. And Toppin was not – Toppin didn't play that poorly. I thought he was on the receiving end of some really tough foul calls. Uh, Keon got called from one pretty bad one, too. But the four position, I didn't think gave them a time. And that's not that surprising given the matchup against Jabari yeah. Smith. But those two well, – uh, go ahead. Well, all I was going to add was that you're already putting such a strain on that position going into that matchup because yeah. you have to take on the toughest challenge. Like that spot has to guard the toughest challenge on the floor and the best burn floor and a guy that clearly looks like the number one pick in the NBA draft. I mean, the things that he was doing, I mean, it – I mean, his length, his length and his body and stuff. I mean, kind of looked like Kevin Durant out there doing some things Saturday when, and just the, the bucket that he got there in the second half, multiple buckets, but there was a step back jumper that he hit that not many four men in the SEC or even in college basketball at his size are able to do those things. And I think that that put a significant strain on that position for Kentucky as they go in there focused on defending and and it's it's hard he got those two early fouls on him and then Keon just was not a good matchup for him defensively that put a ton of pressure on Kentucky and I mean Toppin didn't have one of his better games Brooks played 23 minutes he committed four fouls and then Toppin played 18 minutes he fouled out in 18 minutes so he uh he gave him a nice boost I thought a couple dunks Keon had a couple of good moves I mean it wasn't uh, a terrible performance and like you said you knew that you know your talent wise you don't really have a matchup for Jabari Smith um Kessler was the one that maybe surprised me a little bit more you talk about a kid who uh from when we saw him last year playing for North Carolina I don't know how many minutes he played against Kentucky last year he was basically a non-factor though from what I remember in that North Carolina Kentucky game last year and um, uh they they put Oscar on an island a couple of times in pick and roll situations, and he just it it wasn't good. I've not gone back and got to watch the tape, but watching it in live action, uh, that that there were I mean you can't give I mean come on now like that that's seven dunks that's seven uncontested shots at the rim that just aren't happening, and that that's that's tough to overcome when you throw in Tata not playing 
and those things. Uh, I would give Kentucky an advantage, I think, on a neutral floor, just given what we saw in the first 10 to 12 minutes of the game. Like, they they came out, and they were creating their own issues for Auburn. Mm-hmm. And then Tata goes down, and then you you clean up some of those defensive miscues. This is, this, that's a game that if Tata's healthy, I think both teams get to the 80s. I think the pace of play would have been better. I think it would have been different. And I think you're looking at like an 85-83, 85-82 game, and Kentucky would have been right there with a chance to win it. But I was surprised the limited number of possessions that they had when they went into like the probably the 10-minute mark of the second half. Like it was – I thought the pace – and the number of shots would have been higher. I remember the graphic they showed on TV. It was kind of surprising where the score was, that it wasn't that 90 to 90 game that we all expected it to be. And how about this too, because it was such a big topic. And I, I don't know, it's kind of a, I don't want to say this and then it become a big thing over the next few games, but it's kind of been a non factor. She played foul trouble. He played 38 minutes, only committed one foul. Yeah. I don't know if he's fouled, has he fouled out of a game this year? I don't think he has. I don't think so, which, you know, it, it was hard for him to commit a foul Saturday when Walker Kessler was just dunking at the rim <laughs> that's, on it. That's and, true, and too. Him, get, him getting caught standing in the middle of the, the free throw line. Uh, they they definitely attacked that. They saw something on film that really stood out to them. But, yeah, that's a good point, though. We, we made a big deal about that when the season started, that if he – the way he plays, he's going to get in foul trouble. He's not got those plays, those foul calls over the back. And, and a lot of the whistles on him – you could kind of say that they probably shouldn't have been called a lot of times. Mm-hmm. They should have been play-ons. Even Cal has, has talked about that. But I kind of wonder if that's a guy that's starting to get respect. And, and you know that's a thing with officials, right? Like the, these star players in the league and, and in college basketball and things like that, I, I think that they kind of get that favorable whistle in their favor defensively as well as offensively. And I, I think Oscar kind of gets that too at times. I mean, you you want to see him on the floor, the impact that he makes, and uh, he's, he's doing an excellent job staying out of foul trouble, but he he did not stay attached a lot in pick and roll Saturday, and that's an area that I thought he had he had made a lot of strides since coming over from West Virginia, but they're, they're, they saw something on tape, and I need to go back and watch it because there were way too many. Yeah, I mean, you look at the lead time in this game, and again, the only the only lead that matters is when the score hits, you know, scoreboard hits zero. Kentucky led for 21 minutes in this game. Now, Auburn did not lead until the second half. Um, so, that, I mean, that's a positive there for UK. Only nine turnovers. And how many of those turnovers, Sean, I don't think I want to talk to you about, the shot clock violations. Yeah. Were you getting uh, throwback memories to, like I was to the Wisconsin game in 2015? Where, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, my goodness. Well, it's, it's like in, you saw the same thing happen at LSU. Not – with as many shot clock violations, but the late starts getting into your offense. And I just feel like this is a team that if they – and it, it was – and Tata fixes that because late in the clock, Tata's a guy that can go get his own. He can create his own shot. Uh, Savir, you know, really good getting downhill. Had, I mean, he you can't really say anything about him Saturday. I mean, he was one of the reasons they had a chance to win the game. But I still feel like this is a team that needs all of its pieces to be very good. And they feed off of each other. Kellen Grady's space in the floor. Shibway acquiring so much attention. Uh, Wheeler getting downhill. Tata being that that off guard that can create his own and set up for others. It feels like this is a team that if if one thing kind of gets knocked out of rhythm, that it makes it difficult for them to really operate as a well oiled machine. And I, I think you see that anytime they have an issue like that. That's two games now where injuries have kind of derailed it on the fly. 
as long as they get that game preparation to or that preparation, that time to work on these things without, you know, having to do it on the flying games, they've been good. But when it's happened to them in games, it's kind of it, it shakes them up a bit. And it, they did not run good offense there for a really good period of time. And that you just you can't waste possessions, especially against a team like Auburn. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As of the time we're recording this, there's no update on either of those guys. Of course, Wheeler came back and played. Took one more shot. I don't think he came back in after that, but I also don't think it's something that's going to linger. Tatas was obviously – you'd be more worried about um, just with an ankle injury. Uh, but there's no official word from – at least from this morning, uh, which you're not going to get that anyway from an assistant coach. And we had Orlando Antigua this morning. So Cal's radio show is here at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So he might have something since they have already practiced today. But it sounded like he's day-to-day – I don't know. Mississippi State is no pushover, um, but that game's in Rupp Arena. You you would think you might be able to survive it without him. And but I mean, if he's healthy, maybe it wasn't as bad as it looked. Who knows? I mean, that's not. It's hard for us to say. So the last thing I want to talk to you about, Sean, and it ties into the Auburn game, but it also ties into long term. And the most noticeable thing, and this is not rocket science for anyone who watched the game, when Tata went out. Kellen, Kellen Grady's role to me, and just obviously what he excels at, is kind of just that catch and shoot. Very, very good three-point shooter. Um, drives occasionally, but he's not the kind of guy that you're going to say, hey, here, break someone down, get to the rim. Davion Mintz is not that guy either. Xavier Wheeler has a pretty big shooting deficiency, although I'm going to give him some props. I think he's hit his last four three-point attempts. So, um, But in general, he's not going to shoot very many threes. Wheeler can get to the rim. He does a pretty good job. He can break it down. So when when Wheeler went out, Cal tried a few lineups. He tried – he had Toppin and Brooks in there together for a minute. didn't last very long. But Dante Allen and Bryce Hopkins, neither one – one, neither one of those guys played very many minutes. They only come on for three. But two, they're not the kind of guys either that are in that mold of Tata where you can go get a bucket. And it made me think if – Shaden Sharp, let's just say hypothetically, let's say he does play this season. Yeah, I mean, he can be that guy for them, right? You would think. Like, that's why his prospect pedigree would tell you. He should be able to create his own shot. And to me, if Ty Ty, for whatever reason, would be out for a long period of time, and I'm not saying you're going to put all that on Shaden Sharp. That's not what I'm saying at all. I just think that, like, you need someone who can – maybe help you out a little bit in that category. And I think just based on what he is as a prospect, based on his future outlook, I think he's probably a better fit for that than a guy like Dante Allen or Bryce Hopkins, right? He he is. 
Uh, I would say so too. I know one of his biggest things is ball handling, but he's still like an offensive weapon at all three levels that can significantly add offense to you, especially when you lose offense in Tata Washington. Now, you know, Cal and stuff talking about that it wouldn't have been fair to put him in the game, and it probably wasn't, especially with that being his first game on the road at Auburn. I, I don't really – I mean, we're not in those practices. We don't really know exactly what's going on there. But as we move throughout the next couple of weeks, I, I do think that there needs to be that moment in time here for the next – let's say it's 10 to 14 days where you start preparing him to possibly play it. And even if he doesn't play, I think that you owe it to him. I think he owes it to himself. I think he owes it. I mean, obviously you want to see it be owed to this team and, and Cal that you kind of look at it and see, okay, can he help? Like, is, is it the best thing for him to play for this team? Uh, guard guard is not the issue with this team, but here's the thing, right? We've seen this twice now if somebody gets hurt, then it, it does become an issue. And I just don't want to see that be what derails this team's chances of, of getting to a final four advancing in double tournament is everything be going great. And then a ball screen or a twisted ankle or something kind of derail it. When you have a guy with the talent that Shaden has on your bench, I do think that they need to get him ready to play. I, I think that throwing him in that game Saturday would have been an awful decision, especially if he hasn't been running five on five with the team. And it probably wouldn't have been fair to him. Uh, but, look, here's the thing, right? Like, when Hamadou Diallo came and that team was really good, you had a lot of people that was like, man, he's going to play, like, just because he was there. And I, I remember when Ty Winyard enrolled, everybody was like, oh, you got to play that guy. You got to play him. So, I, I think a lot of it is Kentucky fans want to see the new guy. It, it even it magnifies it even more when the new guy was the consensus number one player in the country. Uh, but I think that they need to do whatever they can, Derek, to at least – be in a situation to where they can decide whether or not 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 be that he's not whether or not he's ready, but if it's the best thing for him. They, I think get him in shape, get him up and down the floor, get him to know the offenses. That way, you can at least then look and say, okay, is it the best thing for him? But him being ready condition wise is not the reason. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally making sense you. at all. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't make sense at all because I rambled a ton there. I wouldn't have put him in at Auburn either. No way. I wouldn't put him in Tuesday. I wouldn't play him at Kansas. I'm with you, though, in the sense that I think this is his third week now on campus. I mean, I know he's not done any full court following five stuff yet, but it's got to be getting close. If there is a realistic shot at all, and maybe there's not. Like, maybe maybe he's just not going to play, and well, us talking about it is just a waste of time. But and I and, and I'm not calling for him to have to play like, I, I think if this team is as it is and it's healthy, they're good enough to get to a Final Four and possibly good enough to win the whole thing. Like, when they're at full strength, we've seen them be very, very good. Problem is they have two losses now where they've had injuries that we – that those, those games could have been quality wins that they just missed out on because they weren't at full strength. Like, I honestly think Kentucky wins that game Saturday if Tata's healthy the entire way. Auburn would have made a push and it would have been – down to the wire game, but I think Kentucky would have been in a situation where they're not having to claw back and they, they could have ran some things and maybe had the lead up to up three, up four late in that final four or five minute under timeout. But this, this backcourt is good enough. Like there's not a backcourt issue. The only issue is when one of those guys goes down, it really puts a strain on you because Kellen Grady had to play every single minute because what you can't take that guy off the floor. 
especially when you don't have Ty Ty. I think that's what they need to do is just get him ready to play. And if it's the best thing for the kid, then you give it a shot. But that's the ultimate deciding thing. And I mean, I know Cal had the quote at the end of the game where he's, he's not going to put him in to, to win a game or something like that. And I'm sure that does not sit well with fans. Um, maybe pro- probably a better way to word it than that. But if he's on the roster and it ends up being ultimately the best decision for the kid, I think that they owe it to everyone there to, to kind of get him ready and see what he can do. And if he puts yeah. up, if he if he performs in practice, Derek, then you look at it. I think that's what you go off of. If he's good enough to do it against Tata and Savir, Grady, and these guys, he's good enough to do it against anyone. Yeah, th- this Shaden situation, I mean, it, it requires a lot of nuance. Like, I don't think I don't know if there is like a clear cut right thing to do. I, I understand the segment of the fan base that is going to be very upset if Shaden. Theoretically, if if their thought is Shaden could have helped this team and he didn't play, and then he bounced for the NBA after this season, after saying all along that he's going to be here this fall, things like that, um, I totally understand if people get upset over that. I do too. Um, but too. on the on the flip side, like we don't we don't know at this point. Like to, to me, it goes back to what I said. I don't know, maybe a month ago. The way I look at it for this team, like and what you're talking about with the backcourt depth, I totally agree with. Like, I don't think Shaden Sharp needs to be the savior on this team. I think they're probably good enough to where you don't have to like have your hopes of this season pending on a guy who just got here January 5th. Like, I still go maybe you'll look at this and say, Well, it doesn't make any sense for the kid to play this role. Like, I still look at it. Is he an upgrade over Dante Allen and Bryce Hopkins for those potentially what 10 minutes per game? potentially and if he can help you in that regard and he wants to play and he's good enough and he can beat those guys out then I think yeah you should be able to do it and then maybe he gets to a point uh early March or whatever that he can take on a bigger role but I also understand there are a lot of dynamics with the team already you're talking about a group of guys who realistically by the time that Shaden actually does play if he does these guys would have played over 20 games together I mean basically three-fourths of the season has already you know it's about to be played and those guys have all been there well so I don't think there is an easy answer to any of this. Um, but, I mean, I'm with you. It definitely has a chance by the end of the year if they come up a little bit short and you just think, man, if they could have that extra little push from from someone else. And, you know, another thing, too, when you're sitting there, you kept talking about losing guys like C.J. Frederick. Guard depth yeah. should not have been an issue coming into the season. Then you have one serious injury to C.J. Um, I mean, Dante basically is an on-factor. At this point, Bryce Hopkins on the wing. Well, like he's just—he's not ready. Like Bryce is just not ready for these big games he's against not. the best teams in the country. And he's not, and he's having to play positions that really don't suit yeah. him best right now. But, you know, C.J. Frederick's a really fair point, and I'm actually glad you brought that up. I thought about this going into the game Saturday. He would have been a huge piece for this team. What they've tried to get out of Dante, C.J. would have provided, plus a little more. Yeah. And – I think you would have had a team that probably would have had – I think they would have two – they would probably only have two losses right now if they had C.J. Frederick because I think uh, on the, in some of those games early in the season, like Notre Dame, Grady not hitting shots, I think Frederick's the guy you could have stuck in there and would have been hitting. Like the chances of those two being called on the same night, very slim. And that would have created a, a different dynamic. And you, you probably maybe have enough to get away with the win at LSU. You got an experienced guard. You got – a guy at Auburn, like that, that one hurt too. And and you're right, guard depth. It's not a problem if they're all healthy, 
But if you have an issue to where you're only going into a game with three and then you've got to throw a Hopkins or someone in there, Dante, look, let's face it, Dante has not taken advantage of the opportunities he had. Like the the whole play Dante Allen crowd, it, it's it's pretty much gone and rightfully so because what has he done? Uh, the shooting percentage isn't there. Like the things that he was so good at, like he's not done. Uh, they are having to place somebody else at that spot. But yeah, it, it's it's really an unfair situation for everybody, I guess, because if, if Cal doesn't play him and like you said, they come up short, then there's going to be that large crowd that says, man, like why didn't you play him? Or if they do play him and it hurts the kid's position and, and draft stock. I mean, it's a really tough spot to be in that, I kind of just got to kind of sit back and hope to God they make the right decision for everybody. Yeah, and I do think a, um, definitely not a bad thing if that kid's in your program right now, though, because if if he's good enough, I think I trust that Cal's going to make the right decision with this thing. Yeah, it's almost like without having seen him play against other college players at UK, like. It's just hard for me to think he couldn't add something to this team, given yep. his ranking. Given that, like, if these people who cover the draft, who say that NBA scouts just saw them play, like, he immediately got put in the top ten. But that kind of brings up another point to this. Like, if you're Shaden Sharp and you can get drafted in the top ten this year and you don't have to play a single second of college basketball, would you play? No, I wouldn't. Because you're running the chance of dropping – your draft stock and losing a lot of money. I mean, that's, it, it's a tough thing right now. I just, I don't know, like, man, it's a tough situation, right? Like you, you know, that that report getting out the other day, I'm, I'm assuming nobody wanted that thing out. <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's nobody probably, from Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that thing was, that did not, you did not want ESPN leaking that news. Cause uh, now I did see some thought that perhaps someone from the NBA I had floated that because they wanted to kind of see how serious he was about – I think basically they want to know how many resources well, – how much resources they should put into really scouting him. If he's, well, if he's serious about playing, fair. then maybe he'll go now. Yeah. And it's a business. It, it's a business. Yeah. And you also want to see too, like, all right, you float that out there. Do Does it force Kentucky's hand to play him if that's the case? And then you get an evaluation to see, okay, do we want to use a top five pick on this kid? Like there's, there's a lot of elements that play into this, and it's just uh, – I hate it because, I mean, I know I understand the fan side of this. Like, I, I'm not going to – my thought is this. I'm not going to criticize the fan that says you they need to play him, and I'm also not going to criticize the fan that gets upset if he doesn't play and goes to the draft. Yeah, Because yeah, I, mean, I, I understand I understand everyone's point because I agree with what you said when we opened it. There, I don't think there's an easy answer or easy solution for it. I don't, I don't even know if there's a right answer, honestly. You just hope it all works out. I mean, the best – possible thing is the kid is just an absolute stud and he helps you win a national championship this year if he does play right yeah that, and then if and then if he leaves then like all right well then he helped you well, get to what you wanted right <laughs> this is different so. than a, this is different than homie on your bench like you knew that i mean homie was what flirting with hoping that somebody would guarantee him a first round pick yeah yeah just this kid if he yeah. does enter the draft is a lottery pick whether yeah. he plays or not and to me his offensive game, a three-level score, adds something instantly to your team that Diallo did not add. That's what makes it different because I actually – I don't think Diallo could have helped that Kentucky team that year. Shaden Sharp could. It, it'll, it will be unfortunate if – and, again, I can, I can 
understand. Like I'm, I was, I would have, if you could told me I would not have to play college basketball and I'd be a top 10 pick, I don't know that I would play. So I well, get Harrison it from his went from being a first round pick to two yeah. years at Kentucky and one getting drafted, one not. And we know that both of those guys were getting drafted first round had they went out yes. of high school. Yeah. And, and that's the, and, and is it, and I get it. Like, and you can even come back and say, well, then they get drafted, then it doesn't work out. But you know what? You, we all want what in life? We want financial security. You want money. And if, if that's the thing, then it's, that's just how it works. I also don't but, think this is going to be a, like, I wouldn't make a bigger deal. Like, this is a, an extremely unique situation where you actually have a guy who is this good, according to NBA, according to the people who cover the draft and talk to scouts, that he could not really have to play college basketball at all and be a top 10 pick. Like, like you're talking about with Hamadou Diallo, the only other situation I can remember where it was like that, like like you said, is not the same. Hami was not viewed as that caliber of a prospect. So I don't think this is going to be a deal where a lot of kids are like, oh, man, I can just go to UK and just practice for a semester and then go to the league. Like, I don't think that's going to be happening a lot moving forward. Um, but I do totally get the the fan who says, like, I cheer for Kentucky. Like, I, if a kid's going to be here on scholarship, I want to see them play if they can help this team. I, I get that. I don't, I don't think Cal thinks that way necessarily. Um, I think he really does want to do – everything he can to, to help out guys who come into this program get to their ultimate dream. Um, I guess the, the last question I'll have for you, how likely is it that they just follow through with what they've said, that they won't play this year? He probably won't play this season, but he will come to Lexington. Uh, he'll stay here, and he'll he'll be kind of the focal point of next year's team. Do you think that's the most likely scenario well, anymore? And To me, that feels like the easiest thing, right? is just to to stay true to what's been said and, and that be the plan. And if that's the case, then I think everyone would be fine with whatever the outcome is this season. I think that's where everybody's fine with it because then Shaden plays at Kentucky. He's the focal point of next year's team. He's their offense because without Shaden, there's a, there's a big hole there that they got to fill because that's going to be the guy that everything's centered around next season. I think that would be the one that makes everybody collectively happy. Uh, you're going to have the crowd that's, that's still going to say, man, they, they should have used him and tried to win a title this season. But as long as he's there next year leading that team, then I, I think that that's the easiest answer. Unless he plays this year, like you said, the perfect storm is what? To play this year, win, win a national championship, then go to the draft. They do that, then nobody cares. But if he doesn't play and goes to the draft, I think that's where you're going to have a large – and I, I think even the, the, the side of this fan base that – understands and usually the most sane on Twitter, I, I still think would be upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to put that in a very respectful way. Like there's, I mean, obviously you have your, you have your 5% of every fan base that's loud. 5% Kentucky is just bigger than it is anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And too, like just reading Ben Roberts story in the Herald leader, like I, I do think the people around shade and have big picture goals in mind. Um, you know, Shaden's not going to be the number one pick this year, but next season, if he did play very well at Kentucky, by all means, he could be. I don't know if that's a goal of his, but you talk about the money. I don't. I don't know how much more money the number one pick makes versus the eleventh pick. I don't. I don't have those things pull up in front of me, but I would imagine it's you know quite a bit more. Plus, I mean, anytime you're number one pick, as long as you don't flame out like you know Anthony Bennett, like your leash is always going to be pretty long. If the team's picking you number one overall, then obviously they're viewing you as a building block for the future. 
But uh, we probably went a little bit longer than what we planned on this episode. But, I mean, we hadn't talked in a few days. A lot of things would happen. A big game. Um, Kentucky returns to the court tomorrow at 9 p.m., like Sean said, a very late start for a Mississippi State team that stunned me to learn this, Sean. <laughs> An offensive efficiency in the SEC, they're number one right now. And I don't know how, but they are uh, a, a good team, um, top 50 in Ken Palm. But, again, I don't – Mississippi State, I don't know, maybe Billy Gillespie's last year, did they win at Rupp? I don't know if they did or not, but that would have been the last time. They, they did. I'm pretty sure that was the last time, right? Yeah, because they hadn't beaten Cal until the tournament. Uh, SEC tournament last year. So, Sean, if you want to take us home, that was, uh, I thought, a pretty good wrap-up of, of everything that's gone on the last few days. Yeah, chance to have a couple of milestone victories there. I think it'd be the 100th win all-time for UK over Mississippi State. That'd be John Calipari's 800th win as a head coach. So, uh, a couple of milestones there in, in the same game. So, anything yeah. you want to add? No, 800's a lot. I mean <laughs> – that's yeah, a uh, lot. I'm going for 150 tonight in my coaching career. So, <laughs> well, you got some, uh, got a lot of years to go to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, not going to get to 800, but uh, we'd definitely like to win a district championship tonight. So, if you all listen to this before eight o'clock, be thinking of uh, <laughs> of me and hopefully I leave about 9 30 happy tonight with another district championship. But until then, this show is always powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub with three locations Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.